0: I would like to go to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, and beginning with verse 17, and read a few verses today, reading down through verse 23, I believe. Ephesians 1:17. that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may given unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. And I hope that you have kind of picked up on the theme here. The apostle is writing to saints regarding the great privilege it is to be a part of God's kingdom and what God has given to us and how God views the church, the finished product. Thank God for the song that said he looked beyond our fault and he saw our needs, but he also looked beyond our faults and saw our potential. Every one of us, God knows in his mind what you could become when God began to pluck at the strings of your heart and draw you to him, God had a vision of you that is far greater than any of you have ever had of your own life or your success. But I'm telling you, coming to God, coming to God is the right to become The right to become. To become something more than you have ever imagined. Dad may have branded you as a failure. Your school teacher may have said you'll never get anywhere. You may have been fired from your job because of what they considered incompetence. When you come to God, the story changes Because we are not playing according to the rules of the world, but according to God's rules and God's laws and God's visions. Stuart Hamlin wrote years ago a beautiful song, It Is No Secret. And in it, there's a phrase that says, why be satisfied with just the crumbs of life? When you can wear a crown, when you can wear a crown, why be satisfied with just the crumbs of life? When you can wear a crown and be a partner with the Lord. Clap your hands to the Lord again, will you? Clap your hands in hope to reach that place that God has called you to. Hallelujah. And what is his exceeding greatness? Are the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And I hope that I can convey to you today what a powerful, Unbelievable opportunity God has given us in the right to become. Father, would you touch our hearts today? Would you anoint our minds with faith? Would you touch us with spiritual understanding that we might understand and grow, that we might understand and know what you have envisioned for the church. God, would you minister to our hearts and we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. (laughs) Revelation 3.21, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne even as I also overcame and have sat down with my Father in his throne, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Colossians 1 and 9, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. I pray that God would help every one of us to understand that church is more than just a meeting two or three times a week. A gathering together and if we're not careful we develop an attitude of well, pastor, feed me, evangelist, bless me, missionary, touch my heart, and then we go home and we kind of put it on the shelf until it's time to come to church again. I'm sure there are not many in the congregation today that have that attitude, but I've met folks in the past that did church. Church is not just a casual thing. This is not a casual family that we have been brought into. It isn't just happenstance. It didn't just happen one day, just come about because somebody had an idea that we're going to develop the church. But I believe, as was emphasized last night, maybe by Brother Urshan in that powerful message, but. Uh, someone emphasized the point where Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church. The church did not just happen to be. God planned the church. It wasn't by casual design. God designed the church. It isn't just by chance that you're here today today. Whether you're serving God or whether you're still unsaved, you're here by the will and the plan of Almighty God. This is not a casual Sunday. This is a Sunday for somebody to open their hearts and say, Okay, God, I'm going to allow you to turn the key of understanding today to realize that I can become everything that you want me to be. <laughs> the right to become one of the most powerful and valuable rights that God has given us the right to become exceeds our other rights. The right to become exceeds our other ambitions, or it should. And I have read just a little bit, just a brief overview of what it means to become what we need to be in the kingdom of God, the right to become. First of all, God loves us. The Bible said that we are strengthened with all might according to his glorious power and to all patience and long-suffering and joyfulness giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Do you understand what it means to be delivered, to be set free, to be washed of the power of His blood? Do you really understand what a, what a great thing God has done for us? You know, there are some things that you experience in ministry that you just never forget. They're just kind of etched in your mind and you just always remember them. And the Sunday morning that I'm going to refer to as one of those times, there was a powerful move of conviction that day and many people came to the front and among those who came down were people who were first time visitors to our church. But they were drawn by the power of God, and I'm sure that you're no stranger to that kind of move. You probably witness it here weekly and maybe at times daily. But as I looked at the new folks that had gathered in that day, there was one lady that had come to the front of the platform, and she was kneeling, and she was just crying out her sorrow and her agony to God, asking God to help her. I did not know her. I don't even know to this day how she happened to be in our service that morning. And God really moved on her. I wish I had time to tell you about what a wonderful work God did in Doris's life. But there was another lady that came forward. Her husband was acquainted with Pentecost because I knew his mother. She was an old timer and She really loved God. But I don't think his wife had ever been around a Pentecostal service because that day she was drawn by the Spirit of God and she stood, she just stood looking around, watching others as they prayed, all the while tears streaming down her cheek because she was feeling something that she probably had never felt in all of her life. I went back to her and I introduced myself, and before I could even say anything more, she looked at me, and in and, and a broken voice, she said, Pastor, can He really forgive everything? Can He really? What a question. Can He really forgive everything? I don't know what deep, dark sins lurked in her mind that day that made her feel that she was beyond the power of the blood. But something made her question, can he really forgive everything? Last night as I was walking down the aisle way over there going to the back, there was a brother that stepped out and stuck his hand out. He said, Brother Shoemaker, you probably don't know me. And immediately, I knew who he was. And he said, our family attended your church in the uh, late 50s, early 60s in San Jose. And immediately, my mind went to his father. Bob Henderson's father did all of the flat concrete work and maybe all the concrete work and some of the block work on the last church that my father built And uh, uh, Bob's mother and sisters, and even Bob received the Holy Ghost there at San Jose, and they came to church, were very faithful, and dad came with them. And uh, dad was a cement contractor. And when he hired men, he said, now, we'll work through the week, but if you want to work for me, you're going to have to give your weekends to a church, because I'm helping them with their concrete and said we're not gonna pay you for that. And his dad was unsaved. He he had never gone to the altar, but he respected the church and loved it. And I, I don't want to drag this story out, but he came for I guess a long time, would never never make his way to the altar. I did not know this till just a few years ago. I didn't know what was holding him back, but but he had been a paratrooper during World War II, and there was one particular battle when his group had parachuted behind enemy lines, and the battle was so hot and furious that day that when the day had ended, I believe he described the scene like this, at least his nephew told me it this way. He said, everywhere he looked, there was blood and dead bodies. And he said every time he would go to the house of God and conviction would grip his heart and he would want to go forward to accept that invitation, not just by the preacher, but by the Spirit. He would see that scene and he saw all of that blood and those dead bodies. And in his heart he said, God could never forgive me for being involved in so many so many killings that day, and he would just sit there. His faith would not release him, and he could not release his faith. But after our building had been finished, the first Sunday in that building, I believe his son told me last night that Brother Winfred Black was preaching. And that night he preached on the blood And for the first time in Bill Henderson's adult life, he realized that there was more power in the blood than there was in dead bodies laying out on the battlefield. And so ask your question, can he really forgive anything and my answer today is an emphatic yes. There is nothing, nothing beyond the power of the blood. Hallelujah. The songwriter said, what can take away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Glory to God. There's nothing like it at all in the world. I just feel like we ought to lift our hands once again and give God thanks for the power of the blood. Our hearts filled with gratitude tonight when we consider the power of the blood and what you've done for us. Glory to God. Glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. What can take away my sin? I guess maybe my favorite uncle grew up in a violent time and he was a gambler by trade and an alcoholic. And he had been involved in a lot of things. He moved to California after my father had moved out there to start the church in San Jose. And I watched him walk to the altar on numerous occasions. And he would pray and he would weep. And then he would get up and go back and there was a sense of hopelessness about him. He never opened up and talked to me. I remember one day we were on our way to uh, Fish and he said, Jim, he said, your dad's got some of the greatest men around him. He said, that church is just full of wonderful men. That was his attitude toward the church. I could easily weep today when I consider the fact that Uncle Oscar died without ever being baptized or filled with the Holy Ghost. I am just assuming today, I don't know this for a fact, but I think I'm probably accurate. I think that in his past, there were crimes and sins that every time he knelt to pray, the enemy made sure that he revisited those scenes. And I just have a feeling that as he looked at my dad and the men in our church and had such great respect for them, I think he probably just felt, I've gone too far, I've sinned too much, I've done too much, and I just couldn't be saved. I, I regret it to this day that I was not able to nor was anyone else able to convince him of the fact that no matter how far in sin you go, the power of the blood can cleanse and deliver and set you free. I've kind of felt in the last few days and weeks that I would be reaching today for people that are in the church, But I also felt like I would be reaching for some who are not in the church. And it's kind of a two pronged reach, and maybe in a few minutes I can help you to understand really what I'm talking about. But the song said, What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I want you to just think about those two statements. One is being forgiven, such as the lepers and the gospels who came to Jesus for healing. And the Bible said that he Healed them, he told them to go to the priest, show themselves, and so forth. But out of the ten, one came back and knelt at the feet of Jesus to give him gratitude for what he had just done for them. And this one, the Bible said that he made him whole. In other words, the others, he stopped the disease, he expunged it from their bodies but they probably walked the rest of their lives with the visible signs of what leprosy does to the body. But the one that came back with thanksgiving and understanding, the Bible said he made him whole. If you looked at him, you would never know that he had had the mark of leprosy on him because there's a step further to go than just being set free from the powers of sin. There is the made whole by the power of Almighty God. And that's what I'm aiming for today, that God would help some of us to understand that he doesn't want us to stay in the church always regretting our past, always hung up on the fact that we can never be what we want to be because of what We have been. But I want you to understand today that the freedom of the power of God can deliver you and set you free and you can become everything that you need to be in the kingdom of God. You may be seated. Let me... See if I can speed this up a little bit. Isaiah 1.18 Most of you could probably quote it. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. In reading after that verse, I've always been fascinated by that verse. It's a very powerful one. But evidently in the day that this was written, when God spoke to the prophet, people were very familiar with the uh, scarlet dye and color. It was a color of choice for many. And the dye was made from a little insect that grew on oak trees uh, in that area. And when they dyed a garment with that dye, they did what they called a double dye process. And it was said that when you used that dye in that double dye process, that the color became so fast in that material that you couldn't wear it out, you couldn't wash it out, you couldn't wish it out. Once that color had had gotten into the fabric, it was there to stay. And as long as there was a piece of that fabric left, there was still that color there. But the prophet said, "'Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow.'" The devil is not able to do a double dye process on your soul to prevent the power of the blood of Christ from cleansing you from every sin and every sin stain. Though your sins be as scarlet, they're going to be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. You may be seated. The process was similar. The color was kind of similar, but they were distinct. Though your sins be red like crimson, they shall be as wool again. The same process and the same fastness in the material and the same impossibility to get it all out. But he said, though your sins be red like crimson, they shall be as wool, meaning that you can bring me a piece of virgin wool as pure, as untainted by outside forces as is possible. And there will be no color there because the power of God to cleanse and heal is that great. If we had time for testimonies today, I am confident that there are many of you that could stand in this audience and give a testimony of God delivering you from the powers of iniquity and sin. The blood that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary, the blood that gives me strength from day to day will never lose its power it reaches to the highest mountain brother Urshan the highest mountain and it flows through the lowest valley thank God for the power of the blood Glory to God. And let me remind you that it's still flowing today from the highest levels of humanity to the lowest levels of humanity. The blood is flowing now. Glory to God. The miracle of deliverance and redemption is available here today just as it was on the day of Pentecost. (laughs) Glory to God. And you may be seated. When the crowd gathered that day and they viewed the scene of those who had been filled with the Holy Ghost, and some of them was wondering what was taking place. And others said, these men are full of new wine. They're drunk. They wouldn't be acting like they are where they are if they were not drunk or under the influence of alcohol. Then Peter stood up and began to preach to them. He said, these are not drunk as you suppose. And then he goes on to say that this same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, God hath made both Lord and Christ. Not only did he give them some hope, but he laid the blame squarely at their feet. The same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, God has raised him up and made him both Lord and Christ. And the Bible said when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and began to cry out saying, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Three thousand of them took advantage of that message that day. Three thousand took advantage of the blood to cleanse them from the guilt of Christ from their lives. 3,000 more were added to the church that day. And so there is no doubt in our hearts as to the power of the blood. Let me shift gears quickly here. I don't think any of us would doubt the power of the blood to wash away sins. The question is not, can God forgive my sins? But the question is, am I willing to forgive those who have sinned against me? Now, this seems like quite a change, quite a turn in the message. But let me bring you back to the statement that I made in the beginning. That statement is not original with me. I heard it a couple of weeks ago, and it so impacted me, and I told the preacher, he did not preach or teach this message, uh, but a couple of things I've referred to. The right to become. That, that is a more powerful right than we could imagine. The right to become. I, I have met most of the preachers sitting over here today. But I don't know their life story. But I have a feeling that if I could talk to them, some of them would tell me that they came from a way, 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 away from God. God touched their hearts and delivered them and set them free. And so God, God does a great job in that. But here's what I want to reach out to you with today. The Bible said that in Matthew 6 and 12, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then skipping down to verse 15. The only statement that he referred to in the Lord's Prayer was that one statement. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then he said, but if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Could I remind you today that this message was preached a good while before Calvary. This was preached before they were to come to water baptism, repentance, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And he emphasized there that you need to be considerate of those who have wronged you. And you need to forgive everyone that has wronged you. And he makes the statement, if you don't forgive those who have wronged you, then you're not going to be forgiven. Now, we just pass over that. But I'm going to tell you, that is a powerful Thought, And it is a soul-searching thought. If I want my sins forgiven, if the power of the blood is great enough to wash away every sin stain in my life, if it could wash away the sins that that lady was so worried about that day and she was filled with the Holy Ghost, delivered and is serving God to this day. If the power of the blood was great enough to deliver Bill Henderson from all of his fears and his sins of the past, and we believe that it is, and it is such a wonderful opportunity for every one of us, but we have to come back and understand that if there are unforgiven violations of our own lives we are under obligation to give them to God and forgive our adversary folks this is not a casual thought today as i begin to ponder on this i understood that one of the reasons that a lot of people struggle from the time they come to God, for years they're struggling and trying to get life together when by now they ought to be Bible teachers. They ought to be prayer warriors. They ought to be soul winners. The right to become, the right to become a vessel that God can and will use. I'm convinced in my heart that the reason that many people struggle without making much progress, and even folks who make progress occasionally struggle again because they have never dealt effectively with the violations against their own lives in the past. People that can't forgive a father for his abuse, people who can't forgive a violent husband for his abuse. People who can't forgive a wife for unfaithfulness. Children who can't forgive adults who have hurt them and injured them terribly. People who are not necessarily just nursing a grudge And yet they're never really letting go of it. Just a day or two ago, my wife told me something that brought a great deal of sadness to me. She said, Jim, I just heard that Jason had jumped out in front of a train and committed suicide. I thought of Jason a young man who came to our church for maybe a couple of years, maybe three. When he came, he was hurting, he was homeless, and struggling in life. I, I spent more time with Jason than I should have, but he became a challenge to me. I thought if I can get him through this and really get him to get a hold of something he could be a blessing. Jason was probably a genius. Uh, I, I would have no idea what his IQ would be, but it would be way up there. One day he was, uh, he was standing talking to me and another preacher, and uh, he made a statement that sounded uh, kind of smart aleck to me. And uh, it, was, it was about organization, organization, locally, and the organization of preachers and how they handle it, and uh, he, he made some statement, and so I just looked at him, and I said, Jason, how would you do it then if you were in charge? And much to my chagrin, he walked over to a chalkboard, and he began to do a diagram of organization, and I looked at it and I wish I hadn't asked him that. He was that brilliant. He was, you know, and the, the, the truth of the matter is, though his spirit was not exactly right, he was right in what he proposed. But I could never get through to Jason because every time I would talk to him, there was always somebody in the past that had wounded him. Somebody's uh, actions against him had caused him to be like he is and keeping, it's keeping him from being a success And though I pled with him, I censored him, I talked to him, I could never get him to understand that the past is the past that needs to be given to God. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I wonder how many of you here today would raise a hand if I did. And don't raise your hand. You'd say, Pastor Shoemaker, I know that I'm not everything I can be in God. And if I ask a follow-up question, have you really cleansed your heart? Is there anything in your past that you have not forgiven? I am confident that many of you, if you searched your mind, would come up with the answer, I'm afraid there is. There's some issue there that has not been resolved in my life. And that issue is acting as an anchor, holding you back, keeping you from becoming. When God delivered you from the power of sin, He gave you the right to become, not just a bench warmer, but to become a viable, effective, profitable servant in the kingdom of God. What would happen? What would happen if in our churches? All over, if in our churches everyone would get a hold of this and say, God, I refuse to be a bench warmer. I'm gonna search my heart. I'm gonna let you speak to me. I'm gonna cleanse my heart. I'm gonna wash it anew. I'm gonna forgive. Some of you may need to come to God and the thing that's held you back is the the bitterness you feel for people who have wounded your life in the past. I say it's time today to give those people to God. Forgive them. I said forgive them. They're not worth the agony that they're bringing to your life. Let it go. Let them go. Let God take a hold of your life. You'd be amazed at what God can do. Would you stand? I wish you'd just lift your hands together right now. And I wish you would offer to God your hearts. I wish you'd just say, God, I want you to direct my steps. Glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. I
1: think it's in order right now for us to respond to the word of the Lord. Come on, this altar's open today. Hallelujah. Come on, let's lift our hands. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, come on, would you just pray together? Maybe you want to join with your neighbor there. Come on, let's pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for the right to become. Thank you for the right to become. Make us what we should be, Lord. Let us do your will, oh, God. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your blood. hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's reach out to him right now. All across this building. Hallelujah. There's people that need to come to this front. Today's a day for you to let go of some things. Come on. Today's a day to reach for new things. Hallelujah.